Hello and welcome to the second series of Into the Black Archive. We're making progress. Slowly, but surely. I bet you didn't thought we'd make it this far. Yeah, but all the bets against us not making it this far is proven wrong now. But anyway, it's not just me. As you can hear, there's someone else in the background. Who could it be? Well, it's none other than James Stevenson. People of wherever you get your podcasts, you may be disappointed again. I'm back. <laughs> Mostly Apple Podcasts, surprisingly. Mostly Apple Podcasts, yeah. Since, since but they love us. They love us at Apple. Yeah, after it took them a month to let us on there. Don't worry about that. We we are fond of <laughs> Apple um, for what they have given us. I'd also like to make a big shout out to the state of Ohio, wherever you are. <laughs> we love you. So this episode, we are looking at at planet of giants it was a free parter and a lot happens a lot but we'll go into that later so as we did with edge of destruction when i realized this episode is probably going to be a little bit on the short side i've listened to some more doctor who audiobooks oh have you are we gonna get little um we gonna get like a little segment like owen's audio reviews yeah out of this Particu- oh we are well if Every time we have short short episodes, I'm going to try to at least. So I've listened to, been listen, well, attempting to listen to the Scratchmen. Scratchmen. The Scratchmen. 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 Have you is heard it the of that? Scratchman or is it the Scratchmen? Mun. That's how they pronounce it. Scratchmen. <laughs> yes. Okay. And uh, no, I haven't heard of it. Uh, which doctor is it? It is Tom Baker's Doctor. It's Tom Baker's Doctor? Written Very nice. by Tom Baker. Oh. It's... And and can Tom Baker write for himself? I think I'm going to be crucified for this. No. You don't like it? No? No. I don't like it. I don't know. I just... I can't get into it. I've listened to an hour of it now. And I just... I'm struggling. So I'm listening to the audiobook of the book. So yeah. What what do you think's holding you back from getting into it? Is there anything particular? I think it's one thing in particular which I'm going to ask you about. Okay. Um so you you're a screenwriter. How much are you into books? I do like a book. I don't read as much as I should, but I do like reading a lot. What do you feel about third person writing versus first person writing? That's a really good question actually. Uh, personally, I think it depends on what story you're trying to tell, and it's to do with the flow of information in your narrative, for me. Mm-hmm. So, if you're writing in first person, then the key is being able, I think, to hide information, or you go from the perspective where you know less than other characters. Mm. When it's third person, I think the, the, where you place the audience is more that you know more than the lead character. And yeah. so you approach it from a different way. And they both work, but it depends on what story you're telling. Like, for example, I'll try and keep this quick. Mm-hmm. Um, in a first person story, um, you'll be shocked by the revelation that their um, their partner is cheating on them. 
yeah. for example. But in a third-person story, you can do the flip and show the other person doing the uh, the adultery, and then you know more than the character, so you're dreading that scene rather than you get shocked when the scene happens. So they both work. It's just a different approach, and it depends on what story you tell. Yeah. So why do you bring this up in relation to Tom Baker writing a audio drama? So I don't overly like first-person stuff. And this okay. is written first person. Hmm. First person audio drama is... It's not an audio drama, it's an, it's an audio book. Oh, it is an audio book. Yeah, Sorry. it's a book. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's a difficult... It's difficult to write first person without it sounding really mawkish. The, so the basis of the story which I've gathered so far, I'm only an hour in, so I'm not exactly going to be spoiling much here. Um, we first get introduced to the to um tom baker's doctor as he's brought into a council of time lords being held in sort of like a judge and jury kind of situation yeah whole courtroom drama yeah and then he's regaling the story to them what in the first person yeah oh my Uh, but then it then gets really weird because he then starts speaking about things which he wouldn't be there for well, is it made clear when he talks about them that he might have heard about that happening from somebody? It's done in a very... Um, what's the best way to put this? It's done in the easiest way, the most cheaty-feeling way possible. So his argument is, essentially, oh, we're Time Lords, we can go and look through the history logs. That, that, that ain't it. That, that ain't first-person experience. You might as well be doing third-person if you go through history yeah, logs. That's the idea of it. That That is where I think the issue becomes. It isn't just that it's first-person. It's trying to be all things to all men. And it just doesn't yeah. overly work for me. Do you know what that reminds me of from a from a movie perspective? And I think you'll mm. you'll kind of chime with this. You know in like a comic book movie or a fantasy movie where there's a young protagonist who isn't ready to take up the mantle yet and their um, mentor or their parent will tell them like an ancient story of the culture which will become relevant later because it's yeah. like you know long ago there was it's the, the one i think of is the one in the first wonder woman movie where they're like long ago the, the gods ruled the earth and the people were happy and then Ares came about and brought <laughs> war and famine and all that uh and that's always really cheap in my view because all they do is basically just an excuse to do a nice animated sequence yeah so i think an area which demonstrates my issue with it well is this scene here this little bit of spoilery stuff if you care about it in under an hour in but essentially um i think it's harry um harry goes into a barn for bad guys come in he starts retreating towards the back of the barn and then suddenly without the Doctor being there at this point. And then suddenly, a the Doctor's scarf appears out of nowhere. Um, he goes, Henry, Henry didn't think a scarf could come out of nowhere. So he looked up, and it was me! A scarf dropped down in front of him. For a brief moment, Harry stared at it, doing his best boggle. Scarves did not, as a rule, just dangle down out of thin air. Psst! He looked up. Above him was a trapdoor, leading into the hayloft. Leaning over him were Sarah and me. <laughs> and they're going... 
And then oh, it kind yeah, of... I, I'm not a fan of that at all. And I'm just like going, this... Sounds like a kid's book, the way that's written. And like, I can understand where he's coming from. But yeah, what I think Tom is doing from a writer perspective is that he's confusing where the first person and the third person actually overlap because yeah. they don't. They don't overlap. Yeah. So I think that's one problem. Also, you know how the Doctor will normally go out and start being set, spouting out scientific, let's be honest, it's rubbish because it's a TV show, scientific rubbish to try to keep the, the viewers hooked. Hmm. He's doing this in his head thought process as well. I'm sorry, going, this, you can oh, do what, this. So it's all internal monologue. So there's, there's a little well. bit of internal monologuing. And like, I feel like you can guess, the doctor can get away with saying things like this, but getting him to think those sorts of things just don't really work for me. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of cheating going on in there. And there's a lot of fusing of different writing techniques. Mm that aren't being done very cleanly. I mean, personally, I think internal monologue is really cheap. You can get away with it in a book because you have the freedom then to go inside somebody's head and get a picture from that. But I do think it's cheap in terms of doing character, especially when you write a script where your only rule for doing character really is just showing what they do. You can't even say how they feel. Like if I wanted to say that my main character feels sad, I can't do that. I have to say Mm. that she's frowning or she's wiping a tear off her cheek or, or, you know, something, some little giveaway that I give her at the start of the script that comes out in the end, like she, like she plays with her shirt cuffs and bites them. Yeah. Something like that. I feel like he could have gotten away with it here if it wasn't for those Megadlin kids. No, I mean, if... (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) He could have gotten, I think he could have gotten away with it because it's for first person thing. And I think with first person in the monologuing, you can completely get by, get through it. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. That's fine. I feel like it's just doesn't seem like a natural thought process to be going through in your head yeah so it doesn't really feel natural at all yeah yeah you see this is why you you should always certainly when you're doing something prose it's to be very very clear about what the voice is from the start because if you start getting confused about where your voice is coming from the whole thing's a mess regardless of how good everything was before Mm. it is vital it's pivotal but I'll see if I can get through an hour of it. And I think we've got this two-parter after Daleks, so we can come back and see if I've managed to get through any more. <laughs> we'll have a little update in two weeks. Yes. But anyway, back on to the Planet of Giants. Yes, back to 1964. Uh, and um, well, the good news is we're back on Earth for the first time whoop, since whoop. we left, which is great. And we seem to be in the present day. Yes. But not everything as it seems. Shall I go through our synopsis? Of course, Owen. And as quickly as you can, hopefully out of breath. Cool. And maybe a laugh at him halfway through. Um, so the Doctor and TARDIS team take are in the TARDIS. Suddenly the TARDIS doors open. But remember last time when the TARDIS doors opened and nothing happened. But this time something did happen. But we'll find out later. So the TARDIS lands... Actually, no, the scanner breaks first because something inside it must be a little bit too big to display, which isn't how television technology works, but we can skip over that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they land and everything seems a little bit weird. Like there's concrete to hold small bits of rock and there's very large animals. And then it becomes clear. They've all shrunk. And then they have to try to solve a murder mystery while 
shrunk and then they don't really do anything to to end the, the story close and then that's about it then they get <laughs> grown back again if you can't it's... tell by this this synopsis I'm not impressed by this episode <laughs> this one is what we god we just needed to put one out it's not a great start to the series at all the... and I think yeah. What I would say is if it was an episode four or an episode five, I would say this is harmless filler. Mm. But as you were saying, it's the first episode. It's it's such a strange one. I mean, really, it doesn't feel like a season opener because in a sense, there's a continuation. Well, actually, mm. I say there's continuation in the sense, right? But there's meant to be another burnt episode after that, is there? No. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they arrive everything seems like the typical we're on a planet oh this is weird and then it quickly becomes clear that the objects aren't big they're just small that's like a perfectly fine start to the episode and i'm happy with that as a concept yeah it's a bit cliche but if you do something cool with it then yeah you know why not it can be quite fun they just don't do anything cool with it yeah i don't feel like much really happens in the episode it's like, do you know what my main problem with it is? I'll go, I'll go straight in with yeah. what my main problem with all three episodes is, is that essentially there are two not very interesting stories that don't connect at all. Yes. They just kind of happen around each other. It's so strange. Yeah. It feels like if a do- doctor and team wasn't there, what played out with the giant humans, who, as I say, there's a murder issue going on, it feels like it would have ended up, yes, slightly differently because towards the end they caused an explosion. But it feels like it would have mm. played out the exact same way anyway. It would have. I, I, I could think back and back and thinking, in what ways did the Doctor and the team actually affect the narrative? And they just never do. They never affect the narrative. You've got this whole different story going on involving a science experiment, um, murder... And a whole drama about shady people not really saying what they are and what their real motives are. Shall I but say what it's for not connected? For synopsis of the second story is them, because I essentially did the synopsis of the first story. Mm. So let's quickly explain what happened in this second story, which we're on about. Um, so a new chemical has been made to try to an insecticide. Am I getting the right word? I think. Yeah, I am. it's a, it's basically a very powerful insecticide. Yeah, it's called ND six. Um, no, it's not. It's called DN6. DN6. I've even got that written in front of me. Um, <laughs> we we had a conversation about this, listeners, before we started as to what the name was, and I got it wrong about five times. Um, so we initially get introduced to a guy called Farrow, who, who is a scientist who's very much against the um, DN6. Hmm. Um, and then we then get a businessman, Forrester, who's very passionate about wanting to get this through because he will lose loads of money if it doesn't. Hmm. Farrow goes, I'm not letting you put this through. Forrester kills him. And then Smithers comes along and goes, oh, look, he's died. And Forrester makes up some excuse. Smithers goes, come on, mate, this is clearly murder. It does. Forrester doesn't really say why he killed him, but they kind of just go along with it. Uh, they have a fight towards the end when Smithers realises why Farrow got killed. And then the police turn up, and that's the end of that. That is that is it, folks. It is that strange, because it's not really a narrative. It's like, it's very, very basic as a story. You know, 
three characters, one is killed, then there's a little bit of a cat and mouse game going on, but it's not really a cat and mouse game because Forrester never really does anything to convince him otherwise that he hasn't just murdered a man on his drive. The issue which I have with being critical of this episode, of saying anything useful about this episode, is that it is... It just goes along. There's nothing offensive about it, but there's also nothing which stands out as being good. Now, I'm going to try and say things that are good about the episode. Okay. Um, Because there are a few things, but they're really just like suggestions and ideas. Yeah. The cliffhanger of the second episode is actually quite good. Yes, so that's when the Doctor and Susan are hiding inside of a sink plug. as yeah, the they're sink, tiny. As the water goes into it. Yeah, because um, is it... Oh, goodness me, is it... Fa- uh, no, it's not Farrah, he's dead. Is it Smithers that's using the sink? Yes, he is, because he's just... because yes, he's washing his hands of the DN6. Yeah. And th- to get into the house that they're in, uh, the Doctor and Susan have climbed up the strain pipe. Yeah. Which has been... A, there's quite a clever explanation for it, saying that because of the DN6 going down it, it corroded the material inside it to create lumps and crags and things like that mm-hmm. that they could use to climb, which is actually really inventive. So they had to go into this house as well because this is where Ian and Barbara had ended up after hiding in a briefcase. They got carried off into this, essentially this lab, this small shed, which is a lab. Yeah. Which is usually the structure for all these Doctor Who serials. It's people make dumb decision, get taken off somewhere, and then we spend about two hours trying to find them. The issue of this dumb, every turn. The issue with this dumb decision is that it's so easily predicted because it happens to Ian directly beforehand. Yeah, and he, then it happens just again, but with Barbara. Yeah, because he goes into he goes. Oh look, it's a um, matchbox. Match box, isn't it? Yeah. He goes inside of it, man comes up, picks it up, takes it off. Yeah, completely foreshadowed, and then it happens again literally five minutes later. Yeah, you were saying what you want to be good be good about, say some nice things about yeah, it. I'm yeah, I'm trying to be good about it, because that cliffhanger was inventive. They have fun with all of the big props, and I think it's it's visually nice, and they have a bit of fun with that. Yeah. Uh, I think the props team had fun making of those yeah, the props small things big. Is- is is the ones you want to look at because they had to make a great big insect, um, the big matchbox, actually all those one, kinds of things. One thing I did like about it was that one robot fly, which they had on screen for like ten seconds. Hmm, that was very good. And also, I think there's an element of using feet. I don't think if they hadn't had feet insecticide. I don't think this story would have worked because they would have had to have an excuse for the animals not moving or having to make loads of small animals move. Yeah, it's from a logistic perspective, it's clever because it makes it easy for the prop department to go, oh, you know, they're all dead because of great big powerful pesticide. Yeah. Which is cool. And they do create a bit of tension with the pesticide involving Barbara, which I'm presuming we'll get to very soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although there are issues with that uh which is mainly to do with the other story that doesn't involve men in coats yeah so another thing as well about this episode you know how it's relatively slow as we're saying nothing really happens Mm. how would you feel about if it was a four-parter that's my thoughts on that because that's what it initially was Jesus Christ. It was scripted and planned to be a four-parter and they got told they had to cut it down to three. That's why it's such an 
odd size compared to all Thank the other God e- for that. even who, numbers. Who was the saviour, the hero who came in with that edit note? Uh, I was reading about it earlier. Give me one. Tell me it's Verity. No, it wasn't Verity. Um, Donald Wilson, BBC head of serials. BBC head of serials. Donald Wilson, we salute you. Imagine if that had been four parts. Like three parts of that makes you want to like fall asleep and forget about it. Four parts, I think you're genuinely considering like violence. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he felt that it. The story simply didn't work in four parts. The third type was entitled Crisis, like the last one currently is, and the yeah. fourth one was was going to be called Urge to Live. Um, in the end, it it kept the original title, but the credits had to be changed. Um, there's no recordings of the original layout. Hmm. Yeah, four parts would have been way, way too long for this, because the narratives... Do not sync up. Yeah. But anyway, I want to chat about the characters again. I want to check in oh, yeah, with how everyone's doing in season we two. So we haven't talked about that. We haven't talked about characters yet. We just went straight into how. Yeah, we went straight into it, it. We went straight into the complaints. Shall we? Yeah. Shall we? Shall we check in? Because uh, we've had a whole series now with um, mm-hmm. with our four, and they're still all here. How is everybody doing? Starting with Will Owen. Can I be completely honest with you? Yeah, go on. I don't think this has changed anything from what we said in the last episode. Absolutely Will, not. Will, uh, Will Hartnell's still grumpy, but he's got a little spring, shine in his eye. Um, Ian is the best. He's the most compassionate and all that stuff. Barbara is weak in, area, in some areas, but getting better. Susan screams. Susan has another real screamy moment in this one. Yeah. Absolutely huge one. But was it? Um, oh, it's when Ian gets taken in the match box, isn't it? And she's just like, "Yes, and Ian, it's gone." And like Barbara has to like uh, hug her as if she's just trying to shut her up. And also when she initially seeds the tiny, well, the big tiny insect. Oh yeah, basically, I I really feel for um for Carol, honestly, as an actor, because because she must turn up to work in 1964 and just go ah. How am I screaming this time? Because mm-hmm. that's all they get her to do. Uh, I, th- like, I think, as I said in the end of season review two weeks ago, you can see why she felt she needed to go because it just isn't that much of an interesting character. Well, not, yeah. not as interesting as it could have been. Nowhere near because they just can't figure out how to write her, or if they could figure out how to write her, there's something stopping them, i.e you know bbc thoughts or focus grouping or even um conservative values of the time perhaps yeah stop him writing that character more boldly and the issue like we said in the uh the last episode the end of season one is that she is just so rudderless as a character because she's just got nothing to drive her yeah and it also affects everyone else around her because they all have to protect her they have to show some sort of parental safety towards her essentially don't they basically parental protection writing susan into doctor who is the equivalent of writing a story with three characters who have to move through an entire story whilst looking after an egg yeah they're playing an egg and spoon race and the spoon is the script and the egg is susan can i just say i'm really sorry about how this episode is essentially just us complaining 
It's not like there are some good things about it. It's nice to see everyone. And yeah. I think that Ian has a quite nice episode again. He's still good. He's still my favourite. Yeah. There's that. Although Barbara, yeah, this was this was a bit of levity from the complaining. I'm going to go straight back in. <laughs> Barbara, 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 Barbara. There is um there is a thing that happens in the second episode of this serial where so she... Barbara and Ian come across yeah. some wheat seeds. And they've been covered in DN6, so a very powerful it will kill pretty much anything pesticide. Um, Barbara touches it without knowing this. When Ian says, oh, it's probably covered in the pesticide, instead of Barbara going, oh, God, Ian, I've actually touched that, Barbara decides for no discernible reason to keep it to herself. I never understand why in dramas and books and all of these things, when a character does something like this and they just don't say. There is... Other than to keep the plot moving. Yeah, there is no reason. All right, put it. Let me try this, listeners. Hello, if you had touched a poisonous substance or a corrosive substance by mistake, and you had someone there who who was a science teacher, by the way, so knows about these things, could help you. Would you a ask him for that help, or b ah, you know, I'll um I'll soldier it out. If I die, I die. Yeah, and it's not like. You know, she does it for a couple of minutes and then realises there's a problem. This goes on for an entire serial. Even though she's obviously in a bad way. It's essentially from when she touches it to when when she initially faints. And even then, they they have to work it out themselves. Yeah, it's genuinely insane. I don't understand why Barbara, as a character, let alone just for the plot, as a character, wouldn't say that. It's not mm. in her character. It, it's not in a human character. It, it's literally just a device to keep intrigue in the plot and to have viewers go, oh, no, Barbara might die. Well, it's like, well, actually, um, wouldn't it have been easier to have Barbara touch it and then everybody know about it and then maybe make the cure quite hard to get and have the story be them go and find the cure, which is much better and is much more positive. And, and on the topic of the cure... I'm still not entirely 100% sure how they cured it. It's um, As far as I can tell, it's pretty much wash your hands off with water. Because that's seemingly yeah. how the humans are all right. How the Sorry, not humans. Everyone in the story is a human, apart from the two Time Lords. Uh, the big humans. <laughs> so what my initial thought was, was the Doctor was grabbing this... Because at the end, he grabs a seed and then takes it in for TARDIS. I initially thought he was going to get for, get some substance off the outside of a shell of a seed hmm. and then work out a way to reverse engineer it. Yeah, makes perfect sense. That's what I thought was going to happen. But no, he just brought it along just to prove the fact which we had, they had shrunk. They had grown up again, even. It's like this story was written lazy. It's been written lazy. And these decisions that characters make just take you so out of it. Like I'm, I was spending that entire third serial just going, for God's sake, tell them like, what 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 have you got to gain from it, Pride? Yeah. 
it's not even like it's not obvious. Like she spends that entire episode like weak and flailing her limbs about and pale and obviously messed up. But the other characters are just like, oh, Barbara must just be a little dehydrated. She hasn't had food. So, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. However, this episode, though, I think is, I mean, it's game for Daleks where you can argue there was slightly, there were, there were undertones to it. It was definitely political in some way. This one has the first overtly political one against insecticides. Uh, yeah, basically arguing that insecticides are a great big massive problem. Although, I don't think it really does that either because it basically says DN6 is super, super powerful. Yeah. but it do- And so it basically says, well, you know, insecticides of a normal power are fine, just don't make a really powerful one. Mm. So it doesn't really go down either way. It doesn't really make a statement yeah. about it. It just says, well, if there's a more powerful insecticide, that might be a bad idea. So I've got a question for you. Go ahead. <laughs> if you had to pick... Uh, two episodes, two stories to watch. Planet of Giants and Edge of Destruction. Which one would you choose? Out of these two? Yes. Uh, Planet of Giants has more to it in the sense there's just more stuff happening visually. But on the flip side, if I'm being really clever about this, Edge is only two episodes, so it would be over quicker. I also feel like Edge of Destruction, while largely completely nonsensical and making no sense... Yeah, which is a problem. It's got more story to it. It's got more It's got more logical story to it, because at least with Edge, there's like one story that's running throughout, or they're trying to. It's got more cause and an effect, because this one has got cause, but then no effect. The only cause and effect is in the third episode when the Doctor and the team figure out how to set fire to the gas from the tap to cause yeah. a fire to explode the insecticide. But even that, I'd argue, would have no change in the story other than the fact which, for, which there wouldn't be an explosion for for police would just come in and go, oi, put that down. Yeah, the police would come in and see a man about to shoot a man because that's the situation. Forrester has got Smithers um, back on his sink, back to the wall with a gun at his head. Uh, so it wouldn't have changed absolutely anything. And then the ending of this story, because they're all still small, they've got to get what? They've got to climb back down a sink, Yeah. return to the TARDIS, and figure out how to get big again. Owen, how do they resolve all of those key, crucial, dramatic questions? Not even with a speech, they just decide they they can solve it. Yes, they uh, they smash cut to when it's all done. They don't. We don't even have a pointless speech about a button. <laughs> don't even remind me of the buttons speak. yeah i would have honestly preferred that at least they would have tried this yeah. is just it's like their endings are getting worse yeah mm. yeah this was uh to, to to cap this off in the most level-headed way that i can burn this episode with fire and also, why did they decide to open the series with this? Now, obviously, back back then, there were so the breaks between the series were so small that it that it didn't really. It was more just a production moniker than a series. But was, even so, it was like a month and a half. Yeah, they'd waited six weeks. They'd had like a summer holiday, effectively. Yeah, and come back with just a, a very, very poor story. 
there's two stories that aren't very good that don't connect up at all. So you're not sure because you spend the whole time when you see two parallel stories as a viewer, you're trained to try and see the links and the patterns because you, you obviously want to know that they're connected. And when they don't, yeah. you just you end up being so disappointed because you're like, well, why did I have to watch both of them? It, as I said, if this was a mid- middle episode, I would say this is just fine, mindless filler. But it's not. It's the first episode in the season. So it just feels a bit dead. Let's be honest, don't it? It's, it's not even... I haven't even gone that far. It's just dull. There's no nothing strong. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing overly bad about it. No, nothing ever happens. I say nothing overly bad, but like Barbara, that Barbara thing is bad. The fact they're not connecting the stories together is bad. The fact yeah, that not really much but, happening is bad. But that's that's as a story writer perspective. Just as yeah. a standard viewer, just nothing happens. Yeah, dull from that perspective. Nothing happens. The only thing which I could argue they caused to happen in 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 this entire story was maybe because they realised about the phone. That's the only effect I could potentially see this happening. And that yeah. is so small, it's barely given any mention. I think the whole episode was like, oh, what if we made them small? Which is like a fine setup, and then they just didn't know how to keep going. You know those ideas you have, and you go, I imagine you have these as writer all the time. You oh, go, yeah. Oh, this would be a fun little idea for us to have. Let's have the character do this. And then as soon as you start thinking, what's the middle of this story going to be? Hmm. What's the end of this story going to be? You realise, no, wait, that's just a gimmick. It feels like they just had that initial, oh, let's do this. And they just didn't think through that for middle and the end bit. When I when I come up with ideas, if I don't think of an ending straight away for that idea, like a logical conclusion where characters would end up or where where the themes would go, that kind of thing, then it's then it's not worth developing because it doesn't if it doesn't reach a logical conclusion, if it's just like a thought or a sketch, it's not worth telling into like a full blown story. It has yeah. to have a it has to have a wholeness. It has to have a beginning and end. And, and the middle is less important, but you need to be able to work back from the end to the beginning and work out where those links are to take your characters on the journey you want to take them on. Like they're on a train and you need you know, like they're at one end of London and you need to get them to the other end of London yeah. and you need to tell them what tubes to get on, that kind of thing. Yeah. But you need to yes. know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you're just sending people into the tube network unattended, which is frankly yeah. criminal. Yeah, it's using your train metaphor. It's like saying, put, "Say, oh, the, a train is on fire. But people have to get out." Okay, now what? What else is going on? You can't yeah. carry an entire series of that. Yeah, it's, it's not a whole series. It's like, okay, you might be able to do the aftermath of the train if there's trauma from it, or if people they know have died and things like that. Do like the leftovers, but but even then, you'd be clutching at straws. Yeah. So anyway, so. Apologies about this episode being me complaining about an audio book and then us complaining about this episode. This episode. <laughs> it's That's the positivity train on season two. <laughs> Tune in next week for me to read my uh, to read my journal entries. So this, so every every episode we sit through and put plot all the main points we want to talk about. Yeah. In a document, this is for points for plot points for on our document. Go ahead. The chemical is called N. DN6, episode one, Planet of Giants, episode two, Dangerous Journeys, 
episode three round up so i guess we've done all of that so let's round up <laughs> let's round up shall we oh my word so owen what are your overall thoughts on the planet of giants cereal uh dull dull should i should i do a one word answer as well yeah forgotten yeah so let's end how we normally do out of 10 okay um i would like to forget this one and if it doesn't turn up at the back end of the series right at the bottom this would have been a bad series it's a two so this is worse than edge of destruction because you gave edge of destruction number uh three yeah yeah this is this is probably worse I'm going to give it a two as well. You're going to give it two as well. So we we, we agree that this one is a shocker. It's a shocker in the middle in the first episode of a season. Like at least Edge of Destruction was on the was in the middle. Yeah, and it was like a bottle episode, and we knew kind of it was going to be a bit loose. This, yeah, I, I, yeah just a complete misfire. Bad story. Characters don't do anything interesting. Dull for viewers. Annoying for writers can't think of much good to say about it disappointing start but i'm 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 not angry i'm just disappointed so yeah anyway so next episode (laughs) next episode though might be positive because it's a great big six episode dalek serial it's the one which we preluded in our last episode because i completely screwed up the episode ordering which is standard for us so don't worry about (laughs) it uh yeah six parts daleks Started well, the most iconic Doctor Who villains. <laughs> so it's the Dalek invasion of Earth, which I'm going to say is perhaps one of the most iconic episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, it's every. If you're even a casual fan, you know about this episode. If and if you don't know about it, you've seen shots from it. It's probably the most notorious episode you'd never watched. Hmm. I can actually picture the shots right now, like in my head. They are ingrained. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be more impressed by that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd hope so. If that's bad, then good lord, rescue this is going to be a fun. This is going to be a fun season of this podcast, isn't it? It's just going to be us to complaining. <laughs> well, if you'd like to hear us complain some more about Doctor Who, a show that we claim to love, uh, then you can, then you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Apple Podcast. Hello, everyone, uh, and whether that's all the other services we're on, because we're on quite a few now, aren't we? So pretty much wherever you get your podcast we're there and you you can follow us there and if you'd like to get into us about anything we've said if you'd like to complain about us complaining in a kind of inception uh then why not twitter account at black archive pod or email us black pod at gmail.com so yeah so hopefully we'll be in a better mood next week so see you then daleks always put me in a good mood till then goodbye exterminate exterminate <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? Why do I do this to myself? (laughs) Congratulations, you've made it to the end of time. Well, just this episode, really. It's not that dramatic. But thanks very much for getting here. If you've liked what you heard, uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at BlackArchivePod or via email at BlackArchivePod at gmail.com. And, of course, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.